It's going to be a little different. Uh, Brandon went on sabbatical, and we thought we'd just change it all up. Um, we are really, really excited about today uh, because while this is new to some of you, uh, hearing about a partnership for a first time, um, this is something that's been the heartbeat of our church since the beginning. Like, we have always been excited about what God is doing around the world. We have wanted to be involved in it, and I just want to say that uh, we just we wanted to do that prayerfully and thoughtfully. And so quick shout out to that team. Thank you so much for your hard work going into today to get to the place where we can have our first formal partnership with another church in another part of the world. Um, and to the crows who aren't here, they were here at the nine. There are deacons of global missions. And man, they've worked tirelessly uh, to just uh, write policy on what does it look like and how are we gonna send and how are we gonna go and how are we gonna provide support and just do that in a way that's biblical, that is God honoring and uh, serviceable well. So. I just wanted to say thank you to them. So for the next part, rather than teaching today, uh, we are going to have a panel. So I'm going to invite some people who are part of the panel to come on up now. Grab your stool and slide this way. We have asked um, members from our church who have served on mission overseas in the past uh, to talk to us today. We're going to ask them some questions about what their experience was like. Um, because here's the hope, is today as you hear about the partnership, and you hear from these panelists, uh, we're hoping that, that you might get a vision for what it looks like in your life to be a part of what God is doing around the world. For the first couple of weeks in this Advent series, we've talked at a big, like a high level, theoretically, philosophically, like what is God doing? What is his mission? Um, what does it mean to go to the nations? And now today we want to we want to narrow that focus a little bit and give you an opportunity to think about how might God be inviting me to be a part of what he's doing around the world. So without um, further ado, would all of you please introduce yourselves, uh, let us know your name, and let us know why you're here today. Tell us uh, what you did, where you were, how long you were there. Good morning, so I'm a church. My name is Leah Lowry. Um, my story looks a little bit different from the folks up here because I'm sharing from the missionary kid perspective. Um, my family was called to serve in Budapest, Hungary, and we moved there in 2007 when I was 14 years old. Um, I just lived there for the first four years of their ministry before I graduated high school and then made myself a Hoosier and went to Indiana Wesleyan and the rest is history there. Um, but my parents actually served there for the past 12 and a half years and they just came off the mission field and back to the U.S. Um, this July. And my name is Hannah. I, like I said, I've been serving for the last year and a half in Nicaragua with Interin, but I've been going and volunteering for about 10 years. Um, I am a nurse and yeah, that's me. Hi, my name is Kaylee, and I've um, gone on to a mission trip in August for about a month to Africa in a country called Niger, um, where there was a hospital there, and I was able to do some physical therapy. We have so much room on stage. Yeah, welcome. We just make this easy for everyone. My name is Christian. My wife, Robin, and I served in Mexico uh, between 2005 and 2009. Uh, Robin started a Mothers of Preschool group that's still going. Um, and we also worked in the English ministry, teaching English, of course, and uh, also worked with homeless street kids. Thanks. So uh, what was it like to feel a call to missions for the first time? 
uh, what did that process look like specifically for you? Some of us might be thinking, like, I have no idea how it would go or, like, what God would say or how I would know whether or not I should go be a part of what God is doing. How did that happen for you? Um, my family story um, started with the Lord just stirring my dad's heart. He made a pretty big career shift from being a mechanic at Honda to realizing he wanted to go into full-time ministry and then um, became a Bible teacher. And then after that, the Lord started impressing upon my parents' hearts just a call to go overseas. Um, and one of the favorite things, my favorite things that my parents ever did was just invite us into that call. For perspective, at that time, I was 12, my sister 10, and my brother 8. So we were young, not capable of truly making big family decisions like where we're going to move. Um, but my parents truly believed that if God was going to call them into the mission field, that he was going to call our entire family. Um, so I remember they sat us down and they encouraged us just to start praying into that and asking um, that the Lord would just reveal to all of us where he was going. Um, and after a couple months of watching different promotional DVDs, that was where we were at the time, um, we just started believing that it was this International Christian School of Budapest in Hungary. Um, and then this part is really where I believe my parents kind of put like their money where their mouth was, and they actually brought our entire family on our vision trip, um, which is a big commitment. I mean, to bring a family of five to, on an international flight to spend a week in another country as they are also discerning. Um, and I remember my parents set the ground rules of, we're not going to talk about it on the trip. Like, we're not going to kind of just have this knee-jerk reaction to, you know, it was a really great day. So we feel like, yes, this is where God's calling us, or it was a horrible day, so absolutely not. But they asked us just to prayerfully consider that entire week, and then we would discuss as a family once we came back and the jet lag wore off. And um, God absolutely aligned our hearts, and that was really beautiful to be a part of as a child. I started going on short-term mission trips when I was 14, um, and next, the next year to Nicaragua, and I think God's put that on my heart from a very young age, and so as I went on and thought about what I wanted to do with my life, um, I chose nursing because I was just thinking about what career can I do where I can love people well and go anywhere in the world, and so I chose nursing, and God just continued to use my life in that way, and then I graduated college and got really comfortable in my happy little life in Broad Ripple, Indianapolis, and um, I started telling God, like, I don't know, why would I do that? You know, my life is great here. I have this great friend group, and everything is working out, and God just kind of started, like, peeling away my comfortability a little bit and saying, get it together. What are you doing? You know that. You're not listening to me. Um, and he just continued to stir my heart in that way, and I went for a short-term trip to Nicaragua, and I had three people ask me, so when are you coming here full-time? I was like, that's so odd. I wasn't even really talking about that to anyone. And so within a few months after that, I was like, okay, God, I will be good and I will listen to you <laughs> instead of trying to not do what you're telling me to do. And so I think he's been preparing me for a long time for that. Um, so I started going on mission trips in high school and college, but um, kind of growing up, I always had a random desires that I thought of to go um, to Haiti and I didn't know why. And, until later when I realized it only was from God that he kind of put that on my heart until um, one moment our church back home, they were like, hey, we're going to go on a mission trip to Haiti. And I was like, of course, it's perfect. That's exactly where I've been wanting to go. And so just through going on different short-term trips, I felt like God had really been drawing my heart um, to global missions and overseas and what that looks like. And um, I went into physical therapy kind of like Hannah and um, wanting to do, be able to have something to get me into other countries, if that was 
um, what God was wanting me to do. Um, and so then throughout the end of PT school, I felt God was kind of drawing me back to global missions when I was trying to figure out where I was going to end up after graduating. And, um, and just everything kind of lined up perfectly. The trip, um, I only had a month open in my time slot before starting a job here. And, um, and I was like, God, if this is where you're willing, if this is part of your will, then uh, let's see if this works out. And sure enough, everything lined up perfectly where I was able to make it in just that time slot. So um, let's see, our story, I did not grow up in a Christian home, so I never went on a mission trip um, and um, didn't know any missionaries. All of that was new to me when I became a believer as a young adult and Christian and I were plugged into a church that just had a heart for the nations and really um, a heart that beat for um, reaching the nations with the gospel. And so I'll never forget, we were in our maybe early 20s, mid 20s. And we went to a very traditional church missions, con like a dinner, they had a missions week, and they had a dinner, and it was catered, and we were like, free food. So we went, and we sat at this long table across from this older couple, and we just don't know who they were to this day. But they talked to us the entire time about how they've been missionaries in Ecuador forever, and it's so amazing, and, and they said to us at the end, you guys should be missionaries, and we were like, no. We got in the car, we just laughed, we're like, that was crazy. And so, um, so years later, we laugh about that because it was like the Lord was starting to plant a seed. But um, we just, as we grew in love with Jesus, it, we couldn't like contain it. It was like something was bubbling up and it had to get out. Mm -hmm. And we really just got on our knees and just said, yes, Lord, whatever you want. Like, um, I've heard it said before, and I think this is how we felt. Like, if our life is a blank check, like, Lord, you spend it. You spend it how you want to spend it. And, um, and then the Lord began to work pretty quickly in our lives. And so uh, I went to a, another missions dinner. Apparently we had a lot of missions dinners and Christian couldn't go. I was actually pregnant with our son Joshua and um, they were taking this amazing trip um, to Russia and I really wanted to go, but I would have like a two week old baby at the time. So instead I took the application, I came home and told Christian, you have to go on this missions trip. And so he did. And um, I'll never forget when he came home, he was coming down the, um, down, like, the jetway, walking in the airport, and he saw me, and he's like, I, I heard the Lord. Like, I heard the Lord, and we are supposed to, um, we're supposed to enter into full-time ministry. And so we began praying and seeking the Lord, and there's a million beautiful, fun things that God did in that time, but Aaliyah's uh, vision trip story made me think, we took a vision trip, Christian and I. So some friends of ours were like, leave us your kids. At this point, we had like maybe an eight-month-old and a two-year-old. Leave us your kids, and you guys go. So we went down, and it was so crazy. I mean, everything that go wrong went wrong. We had trouble with the police. The traffic was insane. We were stuck in like traffic for nine hours. There was a scorpion in my bed. I mean, the whole thing was so, it was the craziest weekend ever. So unlike the wisdom of Leah's parents who said, let's just get home and then pray and then think, we got on the plane. I looked at Christian. I go, well, that's a no. And, and Christian was like, Okay, well, let's just keep praying. And then, and then God, uh, God did some really, really cool things um, to confirm for us that we were to go to Mexico, and we're certainly glad that he did. That's awesome. So it was cool, I think, about what you've heard is that everybody's story is a little bit different, but there's some commonality. Like, they're all listening. They're all praying. Uh, and God is affirming what's happening, what they're questioning through other people, through prayer, um, and that's just beautiful. So thanks. So, uh, in my experience, like, 
grew up in the American church and you go do missions overseas and uh, like you realize that God is so much bigger than we tend to think of him. So in your, your experience, uh, what did God teach you about himself? How did your view of God and the kingdom expand because of your role in missions? I'll start. I think that something mind-blowing that God was teaching me in my time in Nicaragua is to truly have a thirst for heaven. Um, And I don't think that's something that we often do here in our extremely comfortable lives is we don't think about heaven. We just think about what are we doing this week? What does my, where am I at in my faith right now? But I don't think that we always long for heaven in the way that God has desired for us to do. Um, And that maybe sounds kind of basic, but when you're faced with hardship, day in, day out, and you're watching people you love live extremely hard lives, you think, what is the purpose in all of this, and the purpose is heaven, Um, and I think that's something that God was really showing me and revealing to me through the people that I was serving with and alongside. I'll share. Um, I would say there's two things that uh, he really impressed upon me during our time in Mexico prior, as well as definitely after, is number one, uh, he doesn't need me. He doesn't need my performance. He doesn't need uh, the things that I bring to the table, the things on my resume. Uh, And the second thing is his word is powerful. I'll never forget um, learning about different evangelistic tools and techniques, and I had it all down, and we got to Mexico, and we we had um, been part of a discipleship group um, prior to, and so we had a pretty thriving ministry. uh, And so we thought, okay, when we get to Mexico, we'll just pick up right where we left off. Um, The problem was, uh, the one thing that wasn't very strong on my resume was my Spanish. Uh, So for the first two years, I really struggled with uh, with the language. Kind of still do a little bit. But uh, I remember thinking, um, you know, meeting a guy uh, that we befriended and we're still great friends. um, But he was not a believer. And I thought, okay, here's my opportunity. So let's get out all those tools, all those techniques, and let's try this out. And God just showed me that I, I don't need you. I need your obedience, and I also need you to just open up my word. And so I actually have the exact Bible and the page um, that Ramundo actually um, uh, came and, and accepted the Lord because all I had was this, this Bible uh, that had it's Spanish and English, and I, uh, because all of my techniques had failed, I simply just uh, pointed to uh, Scripture, and I, I actually have it circled still, uh, Romans 10:9 in red in Spanish, and I said, "Ramundo, just read this." And I can't even tell you really what he told me in terms of what he thought, what he felt, but I can tell you this: he came to the Lord in that conversation after months of chasing him. And it wasn't me; it was it was the Holy Spirit through His Word. And so God doesn't need your 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 skill, your your ability, your performance. He just needs your obedience. Yeah, I'll never forget what it was like just attending a Hungarian church service for the first time. Um, And as a child, it was one of my first times out of the country, too. So you step into this place, and I think it's easy when you're given the title of a missionary, you're like, oh, yes, I'm offering something. You can gain some pride in that. And then stepping into a Hungarian church service and just seeing, like, wow, like there are people who have been doing ministry, who have been pastoring, who have created a whole church um, and planted it there. Um, And they have been around for years before my family ever got there. And then also just realizing that these people will be here and ministry will be there in Hungary way after we leave. And um, to echo what Christian said of God doesn't need us, um, but really just being humbled by the fact that 
we get to participate in his work. And that's true whether you are serving in the mission field abroad or whether you are just being faithful to where God has called you in Indianapolis. Um, it's a privilege to get to be a part of what God's doing. He doesn't need us, but um, yeah, it's such a joy when you are being faithful to where God is calling you. Yeah, something that um, I learned through going to different um, countries is just um, how powerful God is and his love for all the nations and um, just making his name known in every country and every tribe and, and how one day we will all worship him together and just all of our different languages and, and tribes and it will just be wonderful to see how that um, plays out and, and I just think it's really cool because sometimes um, like growing up I just had the Americanized version of what Christianity was and, and it was really cool to just see what God is doing globally and, and all over the world. So all of missions is cross-cultural, right? Uh, and some of you have alluded to it a little bit already, but what's it like to share the message and mercy of Jesus um, when you're the outsider, right? When you're in someone else's country, in their church, people speak a different language, or like getting around the city looks different. Uh, just what, what's that like? And maybe what are some stories that you could share with us? Robin had a good answer at the 9 a.m. <laughs> Um, so, um, we had really excellent training before we left for the mission field, cross-cultural training, which I am very grateful for. That really impressed upon us the need to be humble and to be learners when we entered into a country. And we were encouraged to find culture helpers. So people who were Mexicans, but also had a pretty firm grasp on American culture and could kind of bridge that gap for us. And that was fantastic. It, it helped us in so many ways. And yet, there were still a million things that were different that we didn't anticipate. So, so every culture has its own cultural lens, and, and you're rarely fully aware of the lens that you're operating out of. Um, but um, we quickly learned that things operated really differently. So I shared, um, we were at a church service, and I'll never forget this. They, um, the pastor stood up and he said, is anyone here for the first time today? And, um, and so I asked them at 9 a.m., I'm like, is anyone here for the first time today? And one person went like this. But in Mexico, people were like, I am! And they'd want to talk in the microphone and introduce themselves and share about what they thought about Jesus, if they knew him yet or didn't know him, and what their questions were. There's like this, this crazy hunger and um, openness to... Um, to the culture. Christian and I went doing a lot of marriage counseling as our Spanish got better, and this always threw us off. People would invite us over for dinner, and their kids would be sitting at the table, and they would just start telling us all the problems. But I mean, like, she'd be like, and then he said, blah, blah. I mean, and they're just going at it, and the kids are there just eating, and I kept thinking, like, well, should we go to another room? <laughs> Do you want? But no, everything just was super open. Um, and so we had to change kind of our our um, way that we approached ministry. And um, that was so fun because, like Christian just mentioned, we could not rely on our own strength. Like every day we get up and be like, if God doesn't show up today, we are sunk. Mm -hmm. And that's where we wanted to be. Um, that's the position we wanted to be in. And so those cultural, um, the cultural stress of living in another culture was real. And it was um, heavy at some times and it just, it, it made us fall on our knees, and I think that's exactly where we needed to be. There have been times in our lives, I am sad to say, where we have pulled off ministry or pulled off being a Christian without Jesus. Mm -hmm. and, and we don't want to do that. 
And so this experience of being someplace where you have to use every bit of your mental faculty just to figure out how to order ham at the grocery store. Like I'll never forget the first time I'm like, oh, I'll get some ham, I don't know. And you're nervous because you're like at a deli counter and there's like 500 people all ordering really fast and they're like talking to me quickly and I'm like, okay, I'll take uh, three. I'm thinking, I don't know, three pounds of ham, maybe we'll use that. Of course I forget about kilos. I go home with like 10 pounds of ham, like a ham like this for weeks. Anyways, there are a million crazy things that happened like that that, that you had to think about, which meant that you just had to rely on the Father for all things ministry, which, praise God, that's exactly how it should be. Anybody else? What do you say the thing about time? That was so good. I, uh, time was a really, time is seen really differently in Mexico and a lot of Latin cultures. Um, people come before projects. And so what that means, we, um, our, one of our very first times we invited a family over for dinner, it was our pastor's family and their kids, and I was so excited, and I actually brought my crock pot with me, I don't know why, to Mexico. So I was going to make this crock pot meal, and the joke on me was that our electricity was never reliable, so the thing just shut off. And um, So I had to scramble to be sure I had the meal done at 6, because that's when I invited them to come over at 6. And 6 o'clock came, and then 7 o'clock came, and then 8 o'clock came, and then they all showed up at 8. And I was, and they were like, hey, like, no problem, just came on in. And um, we learned quickly that time, um, time doesn't rule the way, the pattern of life in Mexico, the way that it rules our lives here. And it was not seen as rude at all. In fact, their neighbor had a need and they needed to step in and help the neighbor. And as soon as they were done helping that person, then they would get to the next place that they needed to be at. And one of our first weddings that we ever were invited to, we showed up like 15 minutes before the ceremony time was gonna happen because that's what we would normally do here. And we were the only people he there. The wedding was at two, and I remember the bride came at 3.30. I mean, just <laughs> everything happens completely differently, um, which, which also was a challenge. Uh, there is a, a um, people work so hard in Mexico, and they often take the bus like three hours each way. So our missionary team would hold Bible studies at two or three in the morning in the morning. I mean, so everything just looked a little different, and man, we had to adjust, but we're thankful because a lot of that we, we are able to carry back with us as well, and so like we say in our house, you are never late. Like, you can never be late to our house, ever. Um, you just come whenever, yes, and, um, and that has changed the way that we just also view, um, uh, you know, Christianity, like if something has to start on time. Like, really, I'm watching the clock back here because I know we got to go, but in Mexico, you could be here all afternoon, and it would be okay. It's no problem. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine a bride like at 3.30 if the wedding's at 2? It's like, that wedding's not happening in America. You know, it's just like, I love this though because I think what I hear is, is, is humility, right? We can't do cross-cultural ministry. We can't do missions without like, hum like just having to humble ourselves all the time. Like let go of our sense of time, what we think is important. Let go of like, food and, and arrangements and deep, like, just ways that we would do things here naturally. It's, like, not how other people do it in other parts of the world. And if we're going to, like, love them well in a way that we can share the message of Jesus with them, like, we have to be aware of that. We have to value it and consider it more important than the way that we're used to. So I just thank you. Those are great, great stories. Um, okay, we'll try to do two more questions. Uh, next question, uh, what was really hard? What was really challenging? And also, what were some of your greatest joys? 
I think um, for me, yes, there was definitely some comfort things that we had to sacrifice, but um, we were in Europe, so it was a little bit different than Mexico or Nicaragua. Um, so for us, I think the greatest sacrifice was truly family. Like as we were hugging our grandparents goodbye at the airport, it was understood that this may be the last opportunity. You get to hug them, and for one grandparent, that was true. Um, living overseas, you miss out on a lot of weddings and funerals and just memories. Life goes on without you. Um, and then for me specifically, I think when you go to college at any age or in any form, it's a bit of a transition. But as I was the first one to leave my household, it was a really dramatic transition to go from living with my family in one continent to moving back alone in another continent. Um, and it wasn't so much just like a sink or swim mentality. It was like swim was my only option because I don't have parents like a couple hours away to, you know, go home for to do laundry or um, I had to make friends and invite myself into other people's homes for the holidays because it was like, oh, well, the dorms are closing, so can I be your family? Um, thank you, Ani, for that as well. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of just changes and even learning to rely on God when there was a hard day and I couldn't even necessarily call my parents because of the time change. Like, there were just like a lot of differences that I had to walk through. Um, but this past summer, as we were all back in Europe together as one last goodbye, we were really just reflecting on the joys that we experienced because God called us to Hungary. Um, and I can just truly say, like, anything that we had to sacrifice, the Lord just, like, gave to us abundantly and replaced it, like, tenfold. Um, and even in, like, leaving family behind, the amount of just friends that... God raised up in Hungary that feel like family or in college, like the amount of friends, families that I got to know and that who invested in me and loved me. Not only do I have my actual biological family in Pennsylvania, but um, just the community among like the church, the church at large that God has given to me and blessed me with. Um, I'm so thankful. Um, so anything I, we were ever called to sacrifice, the Lord has just given back abundantly. Couple things for me that was most challenging. Um, the first one is my comfort of having the community and always having that um, that community there with you and those relationships. And so um, I went by myself and met up with a group of missionaries that were already there. And and so that was like a I had to kind of start over again and find that community. And so um, the first week was really challenging and trying to like learn what my role was and how I could fit in and. Um, but God just provided. He knew my needs, and he knew that um, I needed that community and, and the missionaries there, and the people there were all wonderful, and um, I was just blessed beyond what I imagined and um, was leaving sad because I didn't know if I would be seeing these people again, and just the community there that I was able to make in just a few weeks um, was awesome. And um, the other thing is I f was challenged in feeling unqualified. I didn't think that... Um, I could do it, and it, I feel like all of us are unqualified, but that's when Jesus steps in in the Holy Spirit, and that's when he uses us, um, and he calls the least qualified to do these things. I would like to speak into two things a little bit. So when I moved to Nicaragua, they were in the midst of a near civil war, um, and so it was incredibly difficult time for me to go, to be going there. A lot of people were like, that's so stupid. Why are you doing that? Mm -hmm. Telling my parents, like, why are you letting your 25-year-old daughter go to a country that's in a near civil war? So it was just a lot of challenges. Um, and God has blessed me with the ability to be able to feel other people's pain. And so that was a really hard time to get to walk alongside people who are living through something that most of us could never imagine. Um, 
but it was so beautiful at the same time because everywhere that we went as Interin, people would start crying and saying, you came. We didn't think that we would ever see you again, but you came back. And so just the privilege and the honor to be able to be a part of that, to see what God is doing through relationships here and in other places as well. Um, and then something else that was really difficult for me, but that brought me a lot of joy was, I'm sure someone else, there has to be someone else here in this room that can relate to this, but going as a single person, um, and in general, being a single person at Soma Church, whenever everyone else is married and you're like, hi, I'm here too, right? And so it's just a little bit different. And that sounds kind of silly to some people, but um, to watch my friends be getting married and having babies and everyone getting engaged and moving and like, hi, I'm just over here in Nicaragua and I hope everything is going well. It was just a little bit hard and I feel like the enemy was trying to steal my joy through that. But just remembering that this isn't about me, this is about what God is doing and I am blessed to be able to be a part of it is really beautiful. Um, and I feel like that's something that I'm still working through now as I'm transitioning back, like where do I fit in and what, what does life look like now? Um, stepping back into that culture that we have here. So. God showed me a lot of joy through that, but it was also pretty challenging. We would echo that as well. Um, when we went as a family, we went uh, with uh, three kids. Uh, uh, Maddie was four, Josh was two, and Ethan was six months old. And uh, I remember thinking, well, we left this community uh, with other families, same ages, all the same uh, things that we're going through as, as young parents. And we go there, and none of the missionaries had kids. And so that was kind of difficult. Uh, that was definitely a challenge. Uh, but what that forced us into was actually making friends with a lot of the, 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 the Mexican families. And uh, some of the kids that our, our kids got to be friends with uh, was just uh, was a pretty awesome thing. Um, I would say that uh, echoing as well, you know, weddings and funerals and that sort of thing, we, we did lose uh, Robin's mom. Uh, to cancer when we were there, and so there was that was that was definitely a challenge. A lot of traveling back and forth to California, where she lived, uh, for Robin and, and, and the family. Um, so that was that was definitely a challenge. Now I'll never forget the other challenge too. When we came home, uh, we were packing up, and uh, Ethan, I, I think, was uh, four years old then, and I said, uh, "Hey, buddy, we're we're moving to the U.S." And he said, "Yeah, but we're going to come back home, right?" Uh, home for him was Mexico. Home for all our kids were, was Mexico. So uh, that was that was definitely a challenge. So Robin wanted to say something too, but it's going to be about joy, right? Because sadness is yeah, kind of hard that, for that you. Made me sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the biggest joys I think was feeling the deep and personal love of Christ over us in really amazing ways. And so I remember. Um, I remember Christian and I, before we left, we would walk in the mornings and we'd just pray out loud and I had all these concerns in my heart for my kids and this will sound a little silly, but bathtubs are really unheard of in Mexico City. And I was like, how am I gonna bathe my children? I have these three little children and what am I gonna do? And I just couldn't imagine putting a two-year-old in the shower. It just sounds so ridiculous now, but I was, we're walking and I'm praying, Lord, you know, what should we do about a bathtub? Should I get a big Rubbermaid? What do we do? And I'm, I'm just praying and praying we're walking. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, when we arrived in Mexico, the place we were going to live had already been found for us by um, some missionaries that were there. So you know where this story is going, right? We walk in, and in the bathroom, I joke you not, there was a bathtub larger than I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, it was like three times the size of a normal bathtub. And, um, and I just cried because I thought, 
he, Jesus cares. Like, he, he calls us on this journey because he wants to draw our heart to him. He wants to mold us. And he cares about the things that are on your heart. He knows what you're worried about. He knows what your fears are. And he wants to step in like a good, good father and provide in ways that just reveal his glory and his majesty. And so that time for me, there are times now in my life where I'm so competent and can do what I need to do in this culture that, that I don't often stop and consult the Father. And I miss sometimes that, that daily reliance that I had to have on him because I saw during those times him show up so much. He's still showing up now. It's just sometimes I just bustle right by it. Um, and so for me, that was just one of the deepest joys was to feel so completely aware of the goodness of Christ. Mm, okay, last question. Uh, if you have more questions for them, they will be up here in the front after service, so, so grab them there and make sure you get their attention. Um, what advice do you have for those of us in the room who are thinking about going? Something we are thinking about for the first time, uh, maybe feel compelled to pray more about, what would you say to us? Um, kind of what I was going off of a little earlier is just um, it's okay to feel unqualified. Um, don't use that as a reason to hold you back from going. Um, and listen to the Lord's calling and just go and see if you feel like God has placed that on your heart. Um, don't let fear hold you back or feeling unqualified. Another thing, uh, a doctor had mentioned to me that went to the same place that I was, and I was talking to him prior to going and, and just trying to figure out what it would look like there and what to expect, and he said, the main thing you're doing, the reason you're doing this is you're going to serve God and his people, and, and keep that on your mind, and don't try to find comfort in your own, like, what you had back home. You're going to serve others, and that's what you're doing, and that's what we should be doing here, too, in the States, is we're here to serve, serve God and his people and try to spread the gospel. Yeah, I think that's right. If you think that you're going to get on an airplane, then get off of the airplane and magically um, become a missionary. It's craziness that right now, today, serve and share. And, um, and at where God has you planted, this is your mission field right now. Allow him to give you experiences that equip and prepare you for wherever he might take you next. And then the other thing I always say, and I remember talking with Hannah about this when she was praying about going, we have um, the, the beautiful privilege as believers to partner with Jesus in either praying over the nations, we're called to do it, giving financially, sponsoring a student, supporting missionaries, or going. But if you have even the tiniest nudge in your heart about going, you should go. Because not everybody feels that. And so if you feel even a stirring then I would say to you, go, absolutely go. And one of the ways you can go is um, by really obeying what Jesus says in Scripture about um, taking the gospel, as we sang earlier, scream it from the mountaintops, right, is, is to do that here. And the Bible says Jerusalem, Samaria, and to the ends of the, of, of the earth, right? So Jerusalem, that, that's where you live. That's here in Indy. Samaria is here maybe in the U.S., the next state. Into the ends of the earth are some of the places we've been. So start that now. I do want to put a plug in, too, for NRN uh, for sponsorship. I was, I'm blown away. I think we had like 35 um, 
sponsorships out there. I think there's only like 15 left. Let's finish that today. We can be obedient today by, by praying, giving, and going. So good. Thanks. Well, let's end there. Uh, if you would, let's give a round of applause to our panelists. We'll go back. Um, so as we move to communion, I, I want to ask you, what's your invitation? Uh, you heard about NRN and our, our new partnership. You heard from other people who have gone. Um, what, is that, what does that look like for you? Uh, we are called to be a part of what God is doing around the world. That might look like uh, supporting a child today. That, mean, that might look like if you have medical training, uh, helping with the trip in February. Uh, if you are financially able, that looks like sponsoring other people who want to go. Uh, that might look like just starting to pray about it for the first time. Maybe you've never spent time in prayer thinking about what God is doing outside of your sphere of influence and your network. Uh, it can continue, but what, what is that invitation? Is my encouragement to you to consider as we go to communion, this time when we remember that we don't go in and of our own power, we don't go because we're the Savior, but because Jesus has done everything that already needs to be done. And in his work, like, we can be a part of what, of what he is doing with this idea that one day, in the end, we're all going to be a part of this big banquet feast, and we're going to be there with people from other parts of the world who speak other languages, who sing different songs, uh, and, and we want to be a part of that. And Jesus is going to be at the center. Jesus' sacrifice is going to be the thing that we are all going to celebrate. So uh, let's pray as we move to communion, if you would. Just come down the center aisles. There will be gluten-free in the back. Uh, this is a family meal. So if you are trusting in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we invite you to come forward. If you're not, um, please just stay in your seat and reflect on what would it look like for me uh, to trust Christ with my life. Let's pray. God, thank you for what you're doing. Um, thank you that we get to be a part of it. It's so cool to hear stories from uh, other people's experiences and the ways that they've seen you move and, and your power go forth and, and your word move and, and change people's lives. God, we want to be a part of that. Um, give us a vision for what it looks like. Uh, would we go? Would we respond? Would we disadvantage ourselves individually and collectively for the good of others here in our city and around the world so that your name would be made great, that you would get your glory and other people would know what it's like to be a part of your kingdom, that they would hear the message about Jesus and they would experience the mercy um, of what it's like to be associated with him. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you that we can trust in you. In your name, amen.